1: I sang out of tune, would you stand up and walk out on me? on me your oh, ears, and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Yeah. Oh, baby, how my it? All I need is a little help from my I, I say, I'm gonna get hey folks welcome back to the clemson podcast it is tuesday november 5th the clemson tigers entered the championship phase of the season with a 59 to 14 win over the wofford terriers and have debuted at number five in the first college football playoff poll which means that nc state is going to get annihilated next week so life is good um and i've got a little help from my friends today as uh, cody is able to join me and rescue the podcast from in a collapse after i had to do a solo episode last time i'm also uh Happy to report that Tully and Sam were not affected by the fire in the North Bay, other than losing power for several days. Um, though Sam and his wife did permanently evacuate to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, don't worry, he will be back on the show. Uh, but Cody, uh, be frank with me. Uh, how'd I do last time by myself? Well, you didn't do very well, but uh, your guest, Dick Ingleberry, he was great. So uh, it wasn't
0: actually an, a solo episode, as you just said. It was it was a two-person pod with a,
1: with a, a podcast... Yeah, I was, uh, I was very fortunate that he came on the, the, the show to help rescue me. I hear he may be starting a Twitter account, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Oh, God, please. Um, I also give your mom a name drop uh, to make sure she's still listening. Turns out she is, uh, so that was cool to see. I think her and Uncle Billy are probably our two, uh, two longest listeners, uh, longtime listeners of the show, probably going since our early episodes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My mom listens to every episode. She's listening right now and she'll probably call me tomorrow when I'm at work to tell me.
1: Another shout out for your moms. Um, so what you been up to, man? I don't get to see you anymore. How's life? Did you vote today? No, I didn't know there was an v- election. Uh, you m- yeah. You moved to the suburbs and you don't know there's election. Like you have one job as an American and especially as a suburbanite and you don't even know. See, we're, we're in California. I guess these are local elections. Are they, are they state elections? Uh, there's, are lo- there's local, and uh, I don't think we had any state stuff on our ballot here in San Francisco. Okay, so I'm guessing
0: someone of the left wing went up against another person of the left wing, and the left wing person prevailed, would be my guess.
1: It's all relative, Cody. The um, center left is more like the right here, and the far left is the left. It's relative. You got to take it in relative terms. Okay. Well, either way,
0: whether we're in South Carolina or California, we're not swaying elections. We're not swinging
1: them. Um, like I say, if you didn't vote, then uh, don't complain about things later on. Um, but seriously, man, what you've been up to, I don't see anymore. You don't come so, watch the games with me. So I, watch, I still watch the games. I just watch them once now. Um, sometimes I'll watch them twice.
0: But, stay, you know, I'm in the burbs. Watch, I mean, I get to watch games by myself, not at a bar. Uh, there's no alcohol involved, generally. So, no, I, I enjoy it. That's what I've been doing. Um, I went to South Carolina. I'm going to get have a, a certain occasion there in about a year, so that'll be during football season. Um, people will be
1: upset about that, but that's just, it's just the reality of it. That's how I, Fall weddings. Um, you better pick a bye week, dude, or at least a home game that I can go to and not get married on Saturday. Well, it's not, definitely not a bye week. It, it's a Friday,
0: though, so people can lump it in when they come. So I'm not like Sam and Katie. Well, no, they picked a bye week. I'm sorry. Sorry, Sam and Katie. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Friday, so you can, you can
1: swing a weekend into it. Perfect. I'll take that. Do you know uh, – I guess the schedule isn't out yet, so we don't know what game that would be. It's not, so there's no, there's no way to plan for it. Yeah, probably be like Furman or something again. Um, really? Well, my friends moved away. Um, so there's that. I mentioned uh, Sam and Katie moved off to Charlotte this past weekend. Um, so I'm holding it down at the, the boardroom. Uh, one of the original founding members. I think there's only two left of our Clemson club out here. But uh, life goes on.
0: Yeah, you're like, the, you know, you're like the 30-something hanging out with a bunch of 20-somethings every weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, since everybody's moved away, I've had to make new friends. So naturally, I do that through our local Clemson Club because I'm lazy. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't do dating apps. Uh, apparently, on like Bumble, you can, or at least women can go on there and find friends to hang out with. Um, I consider that the bar for me. I guess that's my, uh, uh, my pathway to doing so. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, hanging out with a, a new new group of people this year, they're all awesome. It's awesome to hang out with Clemson folks. Like you mentioned, the problem is they're all about 10 years younger than me, so they, they go at it pretty hard. And I'm single with no one except my dog to be accountable to, so that's a dangerous mix. Uh, but I'm having fun while at the same time uh, just trying to survive.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what we used to do, I would say, five years ago was this was the Taj Boyd, Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins era. And we were playing lesser competition. Anytime one of the guys, I think we would call, like, I would have, say, Andre Ellington, you would have Sammy Watkins, and we would say, whoever scores a touchdown has to buy shots. And what we would end up doing is invariably winning, you know, 50 to to 14. So, we had to have amassed a ton of touchdowns. We're all taking shots. It was just random who would buy the shots. And, man, that, that was my 20s. It was a fun time. Things have gotten serious in the last four years. You can't drink as much. But, uh Anyhow, are you still up to the, uh, is that what you do now? Yeah, my late thirties
1: beg to differ.
0: Yeah, well, and, and it was Fireball too. That was the thing back then,
1: five, six years ago. Yeah, we've moved on from Fireball to Tequila, so there is a bit of maturity uh, going on as far as <laughs> as far as that's concerned. Um, sure. Although I do like every once in a while to to, to slip uh, somebody a mitz when they're not expecting it.
0: You sl- okay? That really throws they could throw someone off.
1: When they think they're getting tequila? Yeah, one person in particular. It's not a Clemson fan, so don't worry. Okay. No Uh, more questions. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, here we are. Um, The first college football playoff rankings have come out today, so this show we're going to do a little bit differently. I know it wasn't done on purpose, but it's actually pretty good timing that these come out right after the Wofford game because, to be honest with you, there's not a lot to talk about coming out of the Wofford game. They're an FCS school. They're, They're a decent FCS school, but an FCS school nonetheless. And, you know, we just dominated them like we should have played over 100 guys. So we're not going to get into that right away. Obviously, the big news is the initial college football playoff ranking. So we're going to start there. And um, a little bit of a surprise, although I will say that I'm not completely shocked that Clemson comes in at number five, but your top six in order, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Penn State, Clemson, and Georgia. And I guess right off the bat for me, I find it a little hard to argue Penn State being above us, but I think the more egregious error in, in these rankings is that Georgia is ranked right behind us at number six. This is a Georgia team that lost to a team at home that lost to the team that we barely beat, uh, though we did beat them. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to see Georgia there at number six. Honestly, I think Oregon sitting at number seven and probably even Utah would have ranked ahead of them. But let's not focus too much on that right now. Let's look at the the top four Wait, wait, wait. Are you going down the transitive
0: property line where you, you said we, Georgia um, beat the team that we
1: almost? Well, I'm saying the logic is uh, and why we're at number five is because, um, and then Georgia at number six, and the reason it's laughable is because we barely beat a team that beat the team that Georgia lost to at home, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. That's too far removed, but I, I see what you're saying. You're talking about North Carolina uh, beating South Carolina, and that's the mutual opponent.
1: Well, and, I mean, do you think Georgia should be there at number six, I guess is my question. That's that's kind of the laughable part. Good. Okay, so starting there, I actually think – I I was okay with that
0: because they have two uh, two good wins, one really good win against Florida and then another one against
1: Notre Dame. Now, Florida is is a really good win, and I've seen Notre Dame since. I mean, Oregon has one loss, and that was on a neutral field uh, against Auburn, who's Mm -hmm. ranked number 11th, the first game of the year. And it wasn't due to talent. It was really due to coaching more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, we could talk Oregon,
0: but I, I, to me, it's I, – I take George. I think there's, they're, they're the superior team if you're just going by resume. And clearly, that's what I think they were that, – that is the, the rubric they were using here, right? Like, that's, that's why Clemson ended up number five. If you're just going by resume um, and you're valuing wins, well, at least it's consistent
1: in, to some degree, right? I guess, but anybody that loses to this uh, crappy South Carolina team at home really doesn't deserve to be sniffing um, the, the top six, in my opinion. But again, all of this stuff is going to play out, and I think we spent far too long, and um, I've talked more about teams ranked 6 through 10 more here in the last few minutes than I have in a while. Um, but let's, let's turn our focus to the, the top four teams that are ranked ahead of us. You got Ohio State first. Ohio State, LSU, I really don't have any issue with. You know, when you look at LSU, they really haven't beaten anybody either. Um, they've got a couple of good wins. Um, and then Ohio State's a really good football team. They've got a good offense. Their defense is averaging, giving up less than 10 points a game this year. Um, so I really have no gripes whether they're one or two. You can switch those positions. Alabama have a little bit of a problem with because who have they beaten? And then Penn State, of course, we talked about them. You know, obviously this doesn't matter. It's a moot point. It's all going to play itself out. Uh, Penn State's plan undefeated uh, uh, Minnesota team in Minnesota this weekend. They will eventually play Ohio State. you got LSU and Alabama playing this weekend. So after this weekend, as long as we take care of business against NC State, which we should, Clemson's going to be back in the top four. And if we went out, we're in. There's no, there's no threat of us missing the playoffs. No legitimate threat of us missing the playoffs should we uh, continue to go undefeated.
0: Yes. So I'm going to now go through one through four again, just as you did. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk about one team. and We're going to try to go deep into, into some popular narratives from this. So first, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about Clemson. I, you said you weren't, you
1: weren't that surprised by being number five. I'm not, sh- I'm not shocked. Um, I, I would have guessed that we would have been ranked four. Um, I was kind of I was a little bit surprised. To see, uh, Penn State jump us, but with everything that's gone on, I'm not shocked that we're sitting there at number five. Although it's the first time um, in the history of the college football playoff that we did not debut in the top four uh, in the first poll. Yeah, there was, and you have to admit,
0: and there's been a lot of, of great discussion I've heard on how how the committee should weigh weigh different resumes because Clemson doesn't have the same. Uh, level of competition. They don't have the same win. You know, Texas a and is probably their best win. It's, I guess certainly it's their best win. And it's just, it doesn't, I know you, you have Florida's kind of a throwaway win. Like, they, you mentioned that, uh, that LSU hasn't beaten anyone, but they have. They, be, they beat Texas. That didn't age so well. Um, they beat Florida. So, uh,
1: it was a close game. But for they Clemson, beat, they don't... Yeah, they beat Auburn, too. I mean, I'll give it to them. Got they, ranked, Auburn, so. they, they got ranked wins on their schedule, but... So for, for Clemson,
0: I think they just don't have that signature win, if, if, as far as you you don't count Texas A and M as that win, and then they ha- they do have the one loss. This was alluded to uh, by the panel during their discussion, uh, Herb Street and the guys. Like Clemson was the only one that does have that sort of like almost loss out of the top five, and I think that means something. So I'm actually I had that visceral reaction. I don't know every Clemson fan had it when they saw number five. Like oh, okay, <laughs> right? Like kind of laughing almost, but. If you're
1: doing it just off of merit and what have you done this year, I think they got it right. Well, I'll point out that Alabama's only marquee win was also against Texas A&M. Although to your point, and this is the the crux of the argument they they have not really played a close close game this year. But you know, does their defense pass the eye test to you? They're they're a good defense. They're not an Alabama great defense, but
0: when you when you're setting the bar again, well, it's kind of like comparing Clemson to Clemson last year. Alabama gets compared to Alabama from years past, and it's still one of the best defenses in the country. It's got some holes. It's got some warts, but it's it's better than I don't know Oklahoma's defense, any defense they've had in the last ten years. So, um, I think I, honestly, I think Alabama's the best team. Really, what it is, it's I think Alabama and Clemson are the best two teams. Maybe Ohio State. Um, but now it's actually a little bit sexier because we're not one and two out of the gates.
1: Yeah. And it's all going to change. I mean, it leaves us room to move up. I mean, again, if you're the committee, you look at Clemson and they have the, probably the highest probability of winning out outside of maybe Ohio state. Um, although Ohio state does have to play Penn state. So I I would say that has to be Clemson. So, um, and and those other teams ahead of us are going to play each other. And two of them at the very least are going to get knocked off. Um, you know, but to the the point of Penn State, you know, they they had a game against Pitt where they only won by seven points. Pitt's not a great football team. They've got wins uh, against Iowa and Michigan, but I mean, how much water does that hold? Really? Are those are those teams that great? Yeah, I mean, okay, so you, I think you have a point there because
0: you gotta call that apples to apples, right? Almost losing to Pitt at home, uh, as Penn State did, and then and then of course Clemson almost losing to US NC on the road. So call that call that a wash, right? You're telling me that those wins against Iowa and I don't have their schedule up there was one other I guess it was at Michigan State which was a solid win I think they won by a few touchdowns but you you're, you're going to tell me like those are enough to to, to leap leap uh, Penn State ahead of Clemson you do have to like consider the eye test a little bit like Clemson's starting to really come into form like do you really feel Penn State's better if you know if their resumes held even M- maybe they didn't see it maybe they didn't see the resumes held even Maybe that's what it was.
1: I mean, anybody that legitimately thinks that Penn State is better than Clemson needs to get their head checked. <laughs>
0: It'll play out on the field, though. For sure, for sure. And I don't know. So LSU is the other one. Again, they've, I think they've earned their, their ranking. I, I like where they're ranked. I don't, I don't think they're the second best team. But I, I think based off their body of work, um, I think that's where they deserve to be.
1: You no, know, I think you hit it. I mean, it's, it's body of work to this point, And that's what we have to focus on. I have no gripes with LSU being up there. Um, what is, what's your, if you, if you had to rank them, what would your top, top six be in order? I would actually,
0: I would probably
1: take uh, and I'm,
0: I'm doing the same as the, as the selection company. I'm actually, I might take LSU ahead of Ohio state. Um, and, and that's how all how you value wins against the SEC West versus some of the big 10 quote unquote powers. Um, you know, Wisconsin among them. But I'd probably take LSU ahead of Ohio State. Um, so I would just fl- flip-flop one and two. Th- three Alabama seems fair. Um, they're going to they're gonna be up ahead of LSU after next week. And then I would take in Clemson four over Penn State. And, and I might even have Georgia over Penn State as well.
1: Yeah, I think looking at Ohio State's schedule, you know, their only really marquee win was the blowout uh, over Wisconsin. They did have a ranked win against Michigan State earlier in the season, but Michigan State's a 4-14 and right now. So again, if we're talking body of work, and although Ohio State has pretty much murdered everybody they played, I think I'd have to have LSU first if you're going by that logic. So um, I kind of agree with you, LSU, OSU, I'll put Bama 3 just because they do not have a close win on their schedule. Uh, Then I'd have Clemson solidly at number 4, followed by Penn State, and then I'd have Oregon uh, ahead of Georgia, like I mentioned, and maybe even Utah ahead of Georgia. So let me ask you this, like, all right,
0: let's remove resume, let's remove body of work, all that stuff, you know, good wins, good losses, bad losses, bad wins, I guess, in the case of Clemson. Who do you – who in this field scares you? And I don't mean – and let me, let me put that into context, like when I say scare you. Like who gives you a little bit of that Bama feel over the last few years? Like that's a team where we're going to have to be on our game in every facet or we will lose. What, what team makes you feel like that this year?
1: Nobody. I mean, after 44-16 to 16 last year, and you're starting to see a lot of the same things and a lot of the same characteristics and the way Clemson has been playing lately. The defense has been dominant all year long. The offense has, has started to really started to put together and it's been just as exploded, uh, really, since that North Carolina game. So as far as being scared, nobody scares me. I think we've been at this long enough. Clemson, again, been in the playoff hunt for the last – uh, four years now um, and in the college football playoffs uh, the last four years in a row, you know, we've been there before. So we kind of know how this, how this feels, how this is probably going to play out. So nobody really scares me. Um, I think as far as teams that could test Clemson, I think Ohio state uh, could for sure. They've got a good defense, although they're not exactly playing world beater uh, offenses in the big 10. Um, but you know, they, they have Justin Fields as a capable passer and a capable runner. I think that could really test the Clemson defense um, but I I don't see a opposing defense out there that really uh, makes me think that they could slow down Trevor Lawrence in the offense. Agreed, I I do agree. So I would say of all those Ohio State years or as Ohio State
0: teams of years past, um, that none of those really scared me. I th- always thought they were a little bit deficient. I think it might have been offensively. This year they look more complete. I think they're a little bit better defensively defensively than they've they've been over the last. Four or five years, even with Urban Meyer, and then on offense, he like said there. I don't know about Justin Fields. It, well, that's, that's kind of the question mark there. But I do I do think of them as as maybe a little bit better than than uh, years past. And and we're the adversary if you if you were to face them, whether that be in the semifinal or the, the playoff or the championship. I will say, I can't remember if I was having this conversation with you or Tully. It, it does feel like the semifinal. Has a chance to be better, although I don't. I don't feel whoever would reach the finals would be the same juggernaut, and that includes Clemson. I don't think they're the. I don't think they're the last versions, last year's version of themselves. But whoever they face in the quarterfinal will
1: likely in both both sides of the bracket will likely be a better matchup. Yeah, that's what we've been telling ourselves. Yeah, um. <laughs> what <laughs> in, in recent years, I mean, I look like. I mean, you look at a team like. I mean, the teams that have gotten blown out the past several years seem to be like the Big 12 teams, the Big 10 teams, the Pac-12 teams. Um, I think Ohio State is a better version of kind of that Big 10 champion that we've seen the last several years. Oklahoma has not completely out of it with their loss to Kansas State, but they're almost uh, completely out of it. A lot of things would have to go right for them. Um, Oregon's an interesting team to me because normally I would think you would see these Pac-12 teams come in, whether it be Oregon or a team like Washington. Washington and really get blown out in the semifinal. But I watched Oregon play uh, Southern Cal over the weekend. They did get off to a slow start going down 10 to nothing early, but uh, they led 28 to 17 at halftime before pulling away, ended up winning 56 to 24. And what I saw out of that Oregon team was a team, at least again, talking about the eye tests, um, they got big bodies out there um, and they have athletic guys and you know, Southern Cal is not a great team. There's certainly no pushover. They've got athletes on that team too. So I will say I was I was more impressed by Oregon. This being really the second time I've closely watched them this year, outside of that Auburn game to kick off the season. Yeah, I mean, I have—I'll be honest—I have not watched Oregon play one game
0: all season. Um, well, I did watch the Auburn game, and that wasn't all that impressive. But uh, no, their defensive line—I know they—they've done a good job of recruiting and, and getting some athletic guys there. A good quarterback. Um, let me ask you this: of of the the top five say, or maybe, maybe even top six, is there an imposter there? A team that, that would get blown out in the, in the semifinal? I think I I think I have one team in mind, but do you, anyone that stands out to you? Top six Penn state and Georgia. <laughs> I actually, I, I think Georgia's coming up. I know they had the loss against South Carolina, but I, I think they're after the Florida win they had, they, they carry the cards. They control their own destiny. I think they'll they could potentially give Bama a match in the in the SEC West. By the way, that you can probably see who I'm leaning to in the SEC West. Uh, the LSU being overrated. Yeah, I think that's the team. That I think that I don't think they're an impostor. But if there is one team that could end up on the, in the so get that number one seed, end up in a semifinal, and then get blown out by Clemson in a, in a four seed, it might be LSU. I just well, don't think the defense is is the same as as it's been in years past. And I still don't know if I trust. Uh, Burroughs in, in that offense and, and Ed Ogeron in that type of high high leverage situation.
1: Everybody hating on Coach O after all he's done. I mean, he's he's come in there, defied all doubters. People are calling for his head the first year. I thought it was a t- terrible to, to keep him on as the head coach. Um, but their trajectory has been up. I totally agree with you. Their defense is not something that scares me. And I think um, we're going to learn a lot about them, both them and Alabama this weekend. There's just something about LSU with a good offense that kind of uh, makes me think a little bit differently about them. And maybe part of it's because it's not something we're, we're familiar with, used to seeing. Um, it's usually the, the, you know, it's flip the script. You, you'd see like a 13 to 10 or a 10 to seven game is what you would normally expect coming out of this weekend, but it could be pretty high scoring. We will see. I,
0: I do. I enjoy the come up of LSU. I, I'm enjoying new blood. Um, and i'm enjoying Clem- clemson getting the uh, getting booted down and having to feel like the underdog again that's that's great really no better scenario for clemson but for lsu i like i, I like them but i think alabama's going to expose their warts this weekend i think if, if two is healthy i think they they beat them by a couple touchdowns and later rest
1: lsu is one of the premier teams this year yeah it's in tuscaloosa so alabama has the whole uh, home field advantage but it it does r- remain to be seen how healthy and effective Tua is going to be because if he's not, then I think it's probably, I mean, I'm going to say a clear win for LSU because, again, their defense isn't that great. But Alabama's backup quarterback, is uh, uh, he's no Chase Price.
0: Right. So, no, you're right. A lot lies on Tua's shoulders, and that's the one. He is the one wild card. I, I, I would say they are the one team that I would fear if, if – just because of Tua. Say what you want about last year's matchup. Yeah, Venable's got the best of him. He's 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 the best quarterback in America. I mean, Burroughs has had a better season. Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is probably more talented. But I think Tua is the best college quarterback. And if he's if he's playing well, then that's a darn good offense. That's sacrilege, bro. And I said T-Law's the most talented. Burroughs having the best year. But, yeah, Tua, He's come on. He should have won the Heisman last year. Well, uh, we'll know
1: who's the best in early January. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, there are initial thoughts there on the, the initial college football playoff rankings. Again, not shocked to see Clemson at number five. We control our own destiny, as the cliche goes. All we got to do is, is win out and we're in. And that's been how it has been the entire season, right? I mean, as long as we don't lose a game we're going to be in. You win the ACC, we're going to be in. Another, enough other teams are going to fall. Other teams have to play each other that Clemson's going to be just fine.
0: Absolutely, and, and this will light a fire under the team, and, and it'll give Dabo, it'll give him the gasoline for the fire, essentially. And, I, I mean, I, I love I really do. I, I think everyone felt that visceral, like, what the heck are they doing when they saw number five? But then you thought there for a second, you got your emotions in check, and you're like, what? This is the best, best thing that could have happened and let me ask you does this change i mean we're we're getting in the championship phase i see it but does it change how we manage the
1: substitutions and the roster and playing i don't know 100 plus players well not if not if you uh I mean, if you coach off of emotions, maybe. I don't think Dabo's going to do that, although uh, I mentioned it in the lead-in. North Carolina State better watch out. I think they're screwed this weekend. It could be 70 to nothing. And uh, no better guy, uh, head coach, for that to happen to than Dave Dorn. (laughs) Right. I think I
0: I saw the spread was 31. I'll be interested to see if it doesn't jump up to 40. But, yeah, they're going (sighs) to – it's going to be a slaughter, and and I'm and I'm happy with that. I'm glad. I hope that happens. Doran's not the best guy in the world.
1: No, I bet. But I, I bet he was probably pulling for Clemson to be in the top four harder than anybody else in the country. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: and that's not the best NC State team we've seen in recent years. And um, but yeah, I, I think I think the team will be motivated. But it's not just that they're now motivated more than ever. And by the way, it feels good to have that chip on your shoulder. I don't think we've had this feeling since maybe '16. We had it a lot during the '15 season, but. It really feels good. It's invigorating instead of just going through the, hey, we're number one, we're number two, um, you know, trading places with Bama sort of thing.
1: Well, and it's been going on since the North Carolina game and we've been dropping in the polls every single week. So it has made these games somewhat more interesting, even though we're blowing everybody out because there does seem to be something that we have to prove. Although I take that a lot less seriously now than I used to, maybe because we were still unsure about how good Clemson is. But I think as Clemson fans and being so close to the team, we know uh, we know the process. We're the only team in the country that is playing second and third string guys as early as we are. There's been two games this year where we've played more than 100 players. Most people don't even know there's more than 100 players that can dress out on a college football team. So that's the process and the process works. Yeah, what's the national media doing? Like, you know, they, they they've
0: watched Clemson before and they just they forgot that this is what they do. And it's not like it's not that they look sloppy by design. I mean, there there's a lot that goes into it. I, I think they should have been more sharp to enter the season. I think it, it, it was a little bit of a, you know, it wasn't the best coaching job, I'll say, but it but ultimately it doesn't matter. They're where they need to be, and they have the momentum, and we've seen this before, and it's starting to look a lot like last year. And a lot of the same
1: players are on the team from last year. So no
0: surprise. I and mean, I mean that particularly on offense.
1: Yeah. And I keep asking this uh, to myself and to, to you guys, would it surprise you at all if Clemson just steamrolls people through the playoffs again this year? I mean, At this point, no, not and you know, I, I, I don't think that competitions is good. I already said
0: that, but no, the, the defense is that that's, what's been so mind blowing about all this. And we'll talk about the defense and they're just, they've been unbelievable. And that's the thing. And the offense has this potential to be even better than the defense. Now, again, I don't know that they'll get to get to that, that ceiling, but I don't know if they even need to based off of what I see from the competition.
1: Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a lot of wiggle room when the score is 44 to
0: 16,
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can stand to take, you know, a small step back maybe here and there. Um, so that's the, the college football playoff rankings. I want to stick with college football here and the, around the ACC for a bit you know we're getting closer uh to the end of the season the ACC championship game and the Coastal is about as um, muddy as ever um as far as trying to predict who's going to come out of there with with uh, the Coastal Division title but let's first start with Florida State Cody uh, Florida State loses to Miami over the weekend 27 to 10 and lo and behold Willie Taggart gets fired um you know the writing on the wall. I I don't think he was dealt a fair hand. People hated the hire when he was hired, and he never really seemed to get a fair shake. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts coming out of uh, Tallahassee there and the Taggart's firing?
0: Well, I I don't know that he whether he got a fair shake or not, and I don't think people were that down on the hire. I think most people were fairly optimistic, anywhere from kind of like lukewarm to to happy about the hire. I, at least I, that was the perception that I, I you know listening to the Knollcast and and those guys. Um, ultimately, though, what, what the the system was so corrupted or it was so dysfunctional the way that Jimbo left it that what he was doing was not coaching. He was going in to clean up just a dumpster fire of a mess, and I think I think that sort of task was just too big for him, or just probably just about any other coach in college football to handle. I think Dabo, Dabo could have handled it, but not, I don't think I think the job was just too much, and not, not not a lot of it was coaching it had to do with rebuilding culture, um, getting buy-in from administrators and faculty and staff and and alumni.
1: Yeah, but he only got a year and a half. Dude, uh, all right, let me,
0: let me, let me make it easy. As a Clemson fan, were you glad to see Willie Taggart as the coach of Florida State? Because I was, and frankly, I, I was hoping they kept him around. I think that's a pretty good litmus test.
1: Well, he didn't have a great resume coming in. What, he had the one year at Oregon where he went, what, seven and six or something like that? Um. Yeah, it was just kind of a very odd hire for me to begin with. And I'm a little bit torn because it's like part of me wants the ACC to be good and to have competition, and then part of me just doesn't like Florida State and quite enjoys seeing them struggle and suffer. Um, But, you know, I think ultimately it's a much more exciting game when teams like that, um, traditional powerhouses are good and we do have some type of competition. Uh, I think the more intriguing thing is – Who's going to fill that hole for them next? You know, you're hearing a lot of names fly around out there, including Brent Venables, uh, possibly Jeff Scott. Um, so who knows where that's going to land? You know, that's a, that's a conversation for another day, probably in December while we take a little break uh, before the college football playoff. Um, but that, that'll be one to keep your eye on. And I think they clearly got rid of him at this point uh, to kind of clear the way and has, have first dibs at these big-name coaches, uh, whichever ones uh, may be available. I hear, uh, I hear Tommy Bowden may be interested <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the front runner i mean he's gonna
0: work for for pennies because they're gonna pay uh, willie a lot not to coach uh that was it
1: a 17 million dollar buyout yeah but they raised like 20 million dollars in private donations to to handle his buyout they really yeah. didn't like him
0: yeah well and that was the other thing they, they saw the forecast for the season tickets those were going down they were going to have empty a lot of empty seats so that there was you know they, the, the cost uh analysis on on that and that 17 million became worth it very quickly. Um, So uh, I don't know, I don't know who they'll hire. I don't think they're going to have, I I think it's gonna be hard for the reasons I mentioned, because it's still a dumpster fire that Willie Tiger didn't improve it a lot over the year and a half that he was there. Um, So whoever goes in is going to have the same challenges to deal with. And I will say like, if there's a guy that can go in and and really embrace what's going on there and take it in, in stride, they're a team they're going to be able to recruit. Like, they can sleepwalk to a top 15 class. You just get someone with a little bit of momentum, charisma, and, and get some, getting some minimal buy in, and they, they will have a top 10 recruiting class just like that. So, I mean, it's a, a, for lack of a better word, it's a sleeping giant of sorts. And we know what the giant looks like because it was a giant just a few years ago.
1: Maybe. I mean, I think the first thing, somebody has to come in there and get some discipline into that program because that's what they're lacking the most of right now. It's not necessarily talent. The offensive line hasn't played great. They're obviously um, really struggling at quarterback, especially with Sam Howell flipping and going to North Carolina. But it's not a one-year, two-year turnaround for this team, I don't think, even if they're recruiting well. I think it's going to take at least three, maybe four years. You no, know, I think so. I think, I mean, just to get the
0: guys in, to get some of the guys out that are there that are probably not, you know, contributing the culture that, that they would like. And then, yeah, getting the new guys in it, it'll take a few years, but I mean, what you saw at Georgia now, granted, Mark Rick did not leave Georgia in, in bad shape. They, there was still talent there The cupboards were not bare, but Georgia is the team just because you just get a little bit of positive energy. Um, just that the, the just the reality that there's going to be a change, and that just creates a you know kind of a rallying cry for a lot of the fan base. Everyone gets together, rallies around that, and then all of a sudden Georgia's getting recruits like you've never seen before. Now, I don't think that they'll have a Kirby-like effect in Florida State, but that's something that, that can catapult you, just having the, the change, the new name,
1: the, the, the new guy that's got the excitement. Well, Clemson will still be taking all the best players out of Florida, so um, they'll have that to contend with as well. Elsewhere around the ACC, Virginia Tech really missed opportunity, uh, came up one point short against Notre Dame. We talked a little bit about Notre Dame and that Georgia win over them. I think their stock has obviously gone down as the season has gone, has gone along. You know, we initially thought when Notre Dame played Georgia tough, we were giving a lot of credit to Notre Dame. But I think as that uh, win kind of lost, obviously, some, uh, some shine after Georgia's loss to South Carolina. Um, Ian Book's a pedestrian quarterback. He's decent, nothing great. Um, but still, I think that would have been a good opportunity, for Virginia Tech, to, to win that game. And they still got a shot. Um, uh, no, no, they're completely out. Well, no, they kind of have a shot in the ACC Coastal. They've only played four games, which is about two less than the other teams. So they've got some ground to make up there. Uh, but a couple other teams um, ahead on our schedule, or likely ahead on our schedule, um, coming out of the Coastal, Virginia – Uh, beat North Carolina over the weekend, which essentially knocks uh, North Carolina out of contention in that division. Um, Both Bryce Perkins and Sam Howell, the quarterback for each team, uh, had great games in this one. Uh, Perkins accounted for 490 yards of offense with five touchdowns. So should Clemson see uh, Virginia in the uh, ACC championship game, it could be a closer game, maybe more a la North Carolina from several years ago than it has been in in recent years.
0: Yeah, it's not – uh, everyone said you Clemson can sleepwalk sleepwalk the rest of the way there's two potentially good teams and one of those as you mentioned is Virginia Bryce Perkins is, is pretty good quarterback and then and then Wake Forest I mean they're playing really well like Clemson has two good opponents I think legitimately top 25 opponents and I and I I know how the you know the SEC West gets propped up Auburn's been a little bit propped up I feel um LSU might even be propped up uh and and, and Oregon out there is probably a little bit propped up. Certainly, the Big Ten gets gets a little bit gets gets their their due credit. I mean, Wake Forest and, and Virginia aren't going to get much credit, but Clemson's going to have two pretty decent opponents on the schedule.
1: Yeah, no, but listen, you, you mentioned Wake. Wake's having a great year. They're seven and one. Um, they beat uh, North Carolina State over the weekend, forty four to ten. Jamie Newman for Wake is a very capable quarterback with his arms and his legs. Um, so I think you're totally right. I think we're we're likely to see over the last three games of the season, um, skipping ahead past the North Carolina State game, between Wake Forest, South Carolina, and most likely Virginia, although that's still up in the air, it could be the three best quarterbacks that, that Clemson's f- faced all year, um, and then to get them all in a row, it's good that it's in the year the defense has continued to get better as the year has gone along. But uh, you know, Sam Howell maybe, uh, and Kellen Mond's just kind of fallen off the map, but... Um, it's, it's not necessarily a cakewalk here to, to close out the season. Not at all. I mean, that's a good thing.
0: And I, th- I think keep Clemson at number five. Keep him at number four. Give, give Dabo, again, to give him the gasoline to the fire. And, like, it, these will actually be fun games to watch. And, and Wake Forest quarterback, as you said, like, I've watched, watched them a couple times now. He is, he is a good
1: player. He can, he can legitimately make passes and, and stretch the defense. Yeah. And listen, those are three teams, the threes that I just mentioned, that if Clemson does go ahead to blow them out as well, we'll actually get credit for those. Wake Forest most likely to be ranked. Uh, South Carolina's in the SEC, so we'll get credit for that. And then an ACC championship game is a championship game. You know, Let's get past this NC State game, and we're going to start getting a little bit more entertaining games here to close out um, heading into the playoffs. Um, and then finally, to wrap up around college football, let's touch on South Carolina. They beat Vanderbilt over the weekend 24-7. to That was the easiest game left on their schedule. They've got uh, App State, Texas A&M, and Clemson left to finish it off. They're going to have to win two of those three games to become bowl eligible. Um, I think they're probably now favored against Appalachian State since Appalachian State lost last Thursday, lost their first game. Um, but, you know, I mentioned it in the last episode. They're gonna, they need to win their next two because uh, it's not going to happen against Clemson. Yeah, another, I'd say another pretty, la- another lackluster
0: year for Mustchamp, And I, I don't know where, the, where he stands now and, and, and how the fans think of him. But I think you're pretty much resigned to mediocrity
1: with Mustchamp. Mediocre, mediocre Muschamp. Sure, sure. Are you trying to make a pun there? That's alliteration, dude. It's alliteration. Whatever. Onomatopoeia. Okay, so before we jump into this waffle game here real quick, I wanted to get your uh, input on the, the fair pay-to-play that, that just came out with the NCAA. And you listen, we, we could spend a whole episode talking about this, whether, uh, or, not, whether or not what's right or what's wrong. Uh, I think we both agree that the players uh, do deserve more than they're getting right now. And I think it goes across all college athletics, um, you know, men and women's sports, all of them make tremendous sacrifices during their time in college to play on these athletic teams so i i think they're certainly uh, do more than they're currently getting but do you trust wait, wait. you think women's sports deserve to be paid the ones that don't make any money and operate at a loss i'm not necessarily saying that i'm saying that <laughs> all of these athletes do contribute a lot uh to the culture of the university they sacrifice a lot during their college careers i'm not going to draw a line between you know football and women's volleyball, and there's no need to go there. I think it's obvious when you do the financial breakout of which teams bring in the more money. And I'll let people smarter than I am figure that out and how it works. But I guess my question for you is, do you trust that the NCAA can competently um, administer uh, the things that they're talking about?
0: No, I mean, no, it's, 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 uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen from here. And I don't, I haven't read like the, the proposal. But uh, I, I like, I'm, I'm with you. I agree. Like some sort of stipend and really there's, there's never been, and there never, no one's ever made a good argument just because there's not one why players should not be able to profit off of their own likeness. Uh, while others are profiting <laughs> off of their likeness, there's nothing more un-American than that. Um, nothing that restricts liberties and whatever else you like, there's, this is this is a bipartisan issue. That's like everyone can get on board with the fact that like that, that sort of right should not be stripped from, from someone um, but how this complicates the game and what this means, I have no idea the implications of it. And like you said that this cuts so deep, it cuts across societal or social issues to cultural issues. Like it goes deep. Um, but I think this is, it's the right move. I don't think the NCAA is the right, uh, centralized force to, um, bureaucratic force to impose the, and the, impose the
1: rules, enforce the rules. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest fear in general from most people is that, you know, just don't ruin the sport. You know, college football is one of a, especially, I mean, maybe it depends on what part of the country you're in, but it's one of the most beloved um, uh, sports in, in, in the country. And, you know, we've grown up with it. You know, I've been watching college football since, you know, I was a little kid since I can remember uh, dealt with all those years uh, of poor football from, from Clemson. And we're getting rewarded with it now. And we're very lucky. Uh, for that but i don't want it to end i mean there's right. something to be said the ncaa double uh, goes and screws this up and somehow it's the the end of uh, college football as we know it at least clemson goes out on top <laughs> i mean yeah if these are at if, if the end of time in terms of at least relative to
0: football if that's near then it's been a pretty good close here so but no i you know aside from the um I'll say that the emphasis, and I think Larry Williams and I believe it was Paul Strelo. they wrote a joint article. But Strilo, I think, had some really great points about the emphasis on individualism. and And I watched the NBA; I'm a pretty avid NBA follower. And there's it's a lot about the the top top tier players, um, player empowerment. I'm sure everyone's heard that that phrase. It's like it's good. There's there's a reason that players should have a little bit more power. But really, what it is is the the most important. The top, you know, five percent of players have more power. Everyone else is kind of just the same. And what it does, I think it fractures or it, it hurts the team element of the sport. Now, I'm not saying uh, that that thing's always going to be in conflict with the individual. I get that. Those things don't, don't run, uh, always correlate. But whenever there's an emphasis on the individual, particularly with football, um, it has a chance to, to have a harmful effect. And I, and I do worry. I have no idea the implications and, and what it could look like five years from now. But I don't think it's good
1: yeah especially with you know we're talking about kids in college um, who have you know college kids are known not to be the best decision makers and I'm not saying that's a blanket statement um, for athletes or for football players in general. obviously not everybody's like that um, and you know adults screw up with their money um, so but it's it just it's something that needs to be thought through very carefully um, before anything is administered because otherwise it it Could be a mess. Yeah, no, very true.
0: I I don't know the rules around it. I I like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, ideas thrown out around and we, we can talk about this during the off season, but yeah, um, could be the end. No, that's no, no doom and gloom. I think we'll, I think it'll be fine. I think a very small number of players will actually make money and there'll be a lot
1: of shenanigans, but guess what? There's already a lot of shenanigans. You just don't hear about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and hey, we can see guys like Trevor Lawrence in the Pantene Pro-V commercials, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, stop uh, chatting about what could be and uh, talk about what happened over the weekend. So as expected, Clemson blows out Wofford and Death Valley over the weekend, 59-14. to 14. Clemson has now scored 45 points in four consecutive games for the first time in school history, gained 600 yards in back-to-back games for the first time in school history, I know it was Wofford the previous game, Boston College, but those are some pretty impressive stats from the offense. And how about Travis Etienne? Set the school record in, what, two and a half years for rushing touchdowns, surpassing James Davis with 48. Now he's only a few away from uh, CJ Spiller for for total TDs all time. Yeah, the
0: the numbers are finally there to where, like, I think people feel comfortable having the conversation about him being an all timer. I, we we've been talking about this even at the, during the off season. Maybe we were a little bit too early uh, to the party, but Etienne is uh, th- those numbers are great. His performance has, has has overdone the numbers, like what we've seen in the greatness of him. I mean, certainly in all time, or we don't even have to compare him to the others. Just in his own right, one of the best and, and funnest players you can ever uh, you know you you can probably think of as a Clemson offensive player. So exciting, and, and I think he's gotten better in the three years that he's been here.
1: Is better, oh, yeah. Each year, that is. Well, and Quack and Tireker over to Chicken Southland keeps uh, praising his improvement uh, in, in the in the passing game with his pass catching ability, and you add that extra dynamic to um, his toolbox, and he's he's going to be hard to stop. I mean, he's been running like a man on fire after the North Carolina State, or sorry, the North Carolina game. Very interesting to to, to hear that Dabo really kind of had to get on him, but great to see him to respond like he has. I mean, nobody's been able to touch him.
0: Yeah, he, he's a great kid. You
1: hear, you hear a lot of good things. Like he's, you know, he,
0: he's, he's about the team and, you know, he, he wants to get better. And Dabo even said that he, he'll get – he thinks he has a, a chance to be even better in like three years from now in the NFL, which is kind of surprising once he completely fills out his, his, his upper body, his frame. So uh, now he's, he's been in tremendous. And I'm, I'm seeing things from him in terms of vision, like you said, adding extra
1: facets to his game. Um, yeah, best running back in the country. Yeah, and then overall, I'm just thinking with the offense here. um, The offense, we mentioned this earlier, has really started to click. They had 702 yards of total offense in this game. It was very interesting and kind of exciting to see them play with tempo early on in this game. They were consistently sapping the ball with about 15 to 20 seconds left on the play clock, and you really feel like they get into a better rhythm uh, when they're doing that. So um, good to see them play with a little bit more tempo. They're also utilizing the middle of the field more. Uh, in the passing game, and a lot of that has to do with uh, Amari Rodgers uh, coming back. We are so much better with him in the slot. It opens up more over the middle of the field, uh, not to mention what he's able to do in the jet sweeps. Um, Overton filled that role at the beginning of the year when, he was, when Amari was still coming back and before Amari was really back to 100% even after he began playing again. But Overton is a big body, but just too slow for that position. Um, so I think that's a big key to this offense turning around because it makes them so much more dynamic. They're no longer just going out to the flats and trying to beat guys on on fly rats down the down the sideline. They're utilizing that middle of the field more and it's really opened up this offense in the playbook.
0: No, totally agree on Amari Rogers. I I think the promise of him being a a, maybe a slightly better uh, Artavis Scott, a more athletic. I think he's living up to that and we're seeing it. you know he, he was a little tentative, I believe, when we when he first came off the ACL to start the season. but I'm starting to see him become more and more explosive and and being able to do, like you said, do, do stuff in the slot um, along the se- or across the middle. that's so important and they're starting to put a little bit of that on tape. You mentioned the pace all those things just kind of it just kind of says hey we're we're gearing up what we were showing you earlier this year was just us getting comfortable getting into a groove um not you know playing uh, managing the clock managing time of possession we're, we're doing things a little bit differently now and you are starting to see you're starting to see the you're starting to see the offense
1: really click a lot like it looked last year yeah so interesting to see is uh, Amari Rodgers kind of being that key to the to the offense you know at the beginning of the season you know that the answer to that question would have been Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne. But interesting to see the turnaround since he's really uh, come back and is now um, at full health. He's going to be one of those guys. And You mentioned Artavis Scott. I think he's be one of those guys you really don't realize how valuable he was until he's gone. Um, and maybe to an even a greater extent because Rodgers followed right behind Scott. They were two very similar players. Um, and I think maybe we still haven't recognized Scott's importance because of that. Um, but you know, both are really hard-nosed guys. Both are not, uh, not afraid to get physical blocking downfield. And they're really the total package. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I think just, he's been such a shot in the arm for
0: the offense and couple that with, you're going to see, you're going to see some things from the, the offense, what you, what you haven't seen yet. And they, this has been talked about, I'm not breaking news here is, is getting and got a, and a, and a four wide receiver set with, with the other guys. and. That's going to happen. You're going to see more of that, and uh, I think they're just waiting for the right opponent, at the right time when it's needed. Well, and a lot of that development's
1: going to happen during bowl practice,
0: right? Right, and I think I think then God is there. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe you know you got to give Ross and and Overton and, and T
1: Higgins their their reps, but I think he's there. I think he's going to be great next year. Um, So elsewhere on offense in this game, I mean, really, not a lot you can say about it. We just bulldoze Wofford right up and down the field. Um, it's got a few notes here. One, the wide receiver screens still aren't working um, when they're thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, <laughs> I got stopped a couple times in this game against Wofford, um, and I talked about this last time when Tyson Pumachan did not come in in the Boston college game for the last drive, they put Ben Batson in there. You also did not see him come in in this game. I was still tending to think that they, that he avoids a red shirt just so they can uh, get him more game rats in anticipation of DJ Youngalele coming in next year at quarterback. Um, but it's looking like now that he could possibly red shirt. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think, I think they need him, uh, in, in the
0: case of, of injuries. Um, but it's tough to say I, I still you still see when you see him play you know he's he's at least a year away from being yeah. a year away you've heard that in the NBA draft he's he's two years away from being two years away um so I I, I don't know why you would not red shirt him but uh, at the same time like, I don't know you, you get down to your third quarterback in a playoff situation and I don't know if Ben Batson's the is the answer
1: there well yeah but is Tyson Pumich on the answer I mean we feel very comfortable <laughs> with point. Chase I, we feel very comfortable with Chase Bryce i I think we're still a playoff team if Chase Bryce was under center and could still probably do some damage in the playoffs with all the weapons that we have around him and with the defense. But once you get down to Tyson Pumachon, like, there's no chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you, get, if you injured two quarterbacks, you know, Ohio State was able to pull it off. But I think you just maybe you throw up the white flag and say, well,
1: we'll see you next year. Yeah. Um, and then finally, offense, Cornell Powell had three catches. It's uh, really great to see him playing better lately you know he's just been a guy who never developed into the talent that uh we all anticipated he would be but just kudos to that kid for sticking with it and you know he's getting some play in time in these blowouts and he's really making the most of it yeah I mean you can see he is talented it's just you know that's the thing
0: at wide receiver you there's a lot of talent he's playing alongside and same for Overton you know he's he's over the last few games he's really picked it up and I'm
1: happy that both of those guys have stuck it out yeah, and then also cool to see a guy like Darian Wrencher get a touchdown on his birthday. So, yeah, just some good stories coming out of this game. Not a lot of nitpicking on the X's and O's just because of the the caliber of the opponent, but, um, you know, still some some cool things to see. Um, over the defensive side of the ball, uh, Clemson has now held opposing offenses under 300 yards for all nine games this season, which is a pretty uh, an incredible stat, and and we are still, and as the season has gone along, I going to focus mainly on the defensive line, the linebacker rotation, because I think we, we both know that we're stout in the secondary, but um, we've been heavy, continue to be heavy on the D line and linebacker rotation, which has been super helpful because a, we've been scoring so quickly on offense and we did a lot of that in this game, but also for the development of the depth across the line, you're really starting to see a lot of these guys uh, come on. And, you know, as we get towards the end of the season, you give them that bowl practice Ah, uh, this is going to be a lot deeper unit than it was at the beginning of the season, at least on paper. Yeah, and by the way, you hit on something
0: there the the defensive line rotations and, and needing to switch guys out because we're scoring so quickly, which is exactly why we didn't play with as much pace earlier in the season. It, it was well, I think it was to work on things, getting the play call in, and then trying to execute on on the play call. That, that's kind of the whole you know thinking the play call is better than pay the advantage you get from pace, which I think well, I think. Ultimately, with Trevor Lawrence, he do, he seems to do better with pace. Um, but going back to the defensive, uh, the defensive rotations and, and things like that, I, man, it's you got some you got some guys in there, and Tyler Davis. We I mean, can't say enough about him. Like he's just he, he might be. Is he as good as Christian Wilkins was as a freshman? I, I he might be better. I don't know if he has the same upside,
1: but he might be better. I can't remember five years ago. <laughs> to be honest with all you. the all the fireball. That may have had something to do with it. Um, No, I mean, he's been phenomenal all year, plugging there as a starter from uh, really day one. But guys like Nels Pickney and Jordan Williams have really uh, played better and better as the years go along. So we're starting to feel a lot more comfortable with them. That being said, Wofford in this game did break off some runs to the outside, which does worry about me about a talented offense with an option package. Um, they also got a couple guys loose in the secondary. Um, I think when you're playing an option team, uh, your secondary can kind of fall asleep because they're not being tested throughout the game. But, you know, the defensive line did stuff almost everything up in the middle in this game, which was good to see.
0: Yeah, Now I, I, I'm i not so worried about like the, those types of things, but I mean, gap integrity, uh, may, blowing things up from the inside and, 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 and discipline from the defensive ends, like those those things might matter against an Ohio State or like a true, like a true dual threat quarterback. Like... I guess Justin Fields in a a playoff scenario, he's probably going to be running a good bit. But I don't know, does Burroughs or Tua um, or Jake
1: Fromm, you know, scare you from that that point of view? Well, Venables is going to have something dialed up for those guys. You know, really when you can focus in on one or two teams, one or two styles of offenses and quarterbacks, it becomes a lot easier than having to go week to week um, and kind of dissect a different offense. And I I don't imagine they spend a lot of time uh, studying Wofford. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um,
0: let me say Isaiah Simmons. We've we've talked a lot about him. Just cherish every moment of this guy. Where, where does like? Can we put it in this like some historical terms? What this guy is? I, I mean, at least recent history. Like you know, the the Venables era, the Dabo era. Like, where does he rank? Like, he he's unlike any other player. I mean, Dorian Daniel occupied the same position, and he was a great player as well. But Simmons is just different, and he's up there now. Like, and we always thought like the best players will always always be defensive linemen, but no, he's up there with your Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett's Shaq Lawson's, at least if you look over the course of a single
1: season, I mean, what do you think? Well, he's going to be a top 10 pick. Um, When's the last time Clemson had a linebacker slash uh, guy from the secondary. I mean, you're going to, I guess he's technical, uh, technically a nickel, Sam, maybe play safety in the NFL. I don't know, but, top 10 picks still obviously come, you know, at the end of the season, I think we all fully expect that as long as he stays healthy. And yeah, he's just been a marvel to watch this year. He's in on almost every single play. He's always around the ball, whether it's a run or it's a pass His his recognition um, of plays has had to be more tuned in because of that, because we use him in so many different ways. You know, you had, he had that interception in this game, He did a great job in spying the quarterback and reading um, that the, the play was a pass to, to pick that ball off. So it's not just – he's always had the athletic ability, but it's really all uh, come together with the mental part of the game this year and all the things that he has to keep track of and be responsible for given the uniqueness of that position. And just what an incredible talent all all around. I mean, he's one of the most well-rounded players, as as I can recall, in recent memory.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this has to be – I mean – I'm ranking it, you know, I haven't thought about it until like, I just, you know, wanted to ask you and uh, if you can think of any other player that comes to mind. But really, I mean, there's in the secondary or even even in at the linebacker position. We've had some good linebackers, but nothing, you know, comes to or you know, compares with what he's been this season and what he's meant to the defense and, you know, he's up there with the with the great linemen um that we've had over the last decade. So, um just an amazing season. And I think like what you said, you know, we Things have all clicked this season for him. He wasn't like you know he all the guys that you know maybe they check out. He could have easily transferred. He wasn't he didn't really get to play until really his third year in the in the program. A lot of guys would have maybe you know, given up or, or transferred out. He stuck with it, and now he's one of the best players in America. I think only Chase Young at Ohio State, the defensive ends, having a better season as a defensive player.
1: Well, heck, he could have gone to the draft last year.
0: True. And, you know, I'm going to watch that national championship game again just to watch him because he really got better towards the end of last season.
1: Oh, yeah. He really broke out in the playoffs.
0: He had an impact. And it probably like was bigger than what we realized in the moment because at at the time, Isaiah Simmons was he, Simmons was the guy with all the tools but
1: hasn't quite put it together. But he was starting to put it together then. And then also, somebody we don't talk about as much, and I've actually – um, I think we undervalued what his impact on the team would be this year from the secondary is Tanner Muse. Um, we, we talk about how critical he's been to the, to the run game. He's such a physical safety. I almost feel like he could go out. There's his, his upper body strength. He has so much upper body strength. I feel like he could go out there with his legs cut off and, still out and t- get around and tackle people. Um, his improvement um has been obvious to me and i think he's kind of reached a level where we didn't quite know if if he was going to get there but i think he certainly has and he's been big for this defense this year not only from a leadership standpoint but in you know having the secondary and a guy like him and isaiah simmons really be able to hold up um and and participate in the in the run defense to really help these uh, young defensive linemen come along yeah i mean he he plays the hardest position on the defense i mean arguably the hardest position
0: and you could look at him and Kevon Wallace and you and I probably both did as, as unidimensional or one dimensional uh, type player safeties. But Venables has used those two and, and Isaiah Simmons in particular in some very exotic and different things uh different ways than we originally anticipated, particularly Kevon Wallace playing more at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, he's Venables has been more exotic on the back end than we've ever seen. And in order to do that, he has to have guys that he can, that can carry out what he wants and with with all those seniors at least with uh, those two that we mentioned the safeties he's been able to do that
1: and it's a beautiful it's
0: a thing of beauty too let me say
1: yeah and talk about the mentality these guys you know you know tanner muse was in on special teams even after the game was well in hand so it's interesting to see that Dabo still keeps those starters on the field heads in the games heads in the game throughout and i think it shows his maturity and his seniority um, and development as a player to keep his be able to keep his head in the game even when there's a blowout and still go out there and and fight for everything like he does. Um, we're we're lucky with these guys and it, it's become a consistent theme year in and year out. Last year was the guys on the defensive line and and this year it's the guys in the secondary. Yeah, and we we've seen this
0: like year over year with losing players, Venables plug and play, plug and play. The formula has always been the li- at the line of scrimmage though. It's always been that. It's the first time we've seen the inverse of that, where the back seven is carrying the carrying the weight. Now they, we've been good along the the front four, not great, but good. This is something, man. This is Venables' masterpiece. I mean, it, he's just been incredible. And I mean, I, I thought like I think in fifteen and sixteen, it's like Venables is great. He's probably the best DC in the in the country. If he can just stay here, I'll be happy. But. Venables is like he's like a fine wine he just he just gets better with
1: age he's he's steadily gotten better at Clemson so let's kind of keep on that talk to uh, that topic uh, looking back and taking everything into perspective um, in terms of this season alone and let's do a little mid-season check-in I know it's uh, not technically mid-season but eight games in uh, hopefully we'll be playing 15 that's about the halfway point so uh, let's do that So our expectations coming into the season well-documented um, in our season preview episodes was that the offense was going to have to carry the defense this year and it could not have been further from the, off- uh, the, uh, the opposite in the early going. Yeah, it's, it, and it's been like that, what, three years running now? That's just how – I mean, that's,
0: that's, the, that's Clemson football now. And I think it felt – I think we're still trapped a little bit in the Chad Morris era of like, hey, we're, we're, the, we're the sexy spread offense that everyone's doing now. Uh, but, you know, ever since Venables came in, we've been at, let's let's face it, we've been a defensive first team. Not to say the offense ha- hasn't been great, but it's just how it's it's just our identity now. And I think I'm okay with it as long as Venables wants to stick around.
1: Yeah, and think about it. I think where we are if the defense does not play the way they do in the, the North Carolina game, let's say, when the offense was sputtering. It could very well have a loss at this point. And I'm not going to say we've been knocked out of the college football playoff contention, but... Um, you know, it would have been hard given our schedule. So I think to me, again, looking at the perspective of this season, this has to be the best job that Brent Venables has done at Clemson.
0: I think so. I mean, 16 gets some consideration 15, uh, last year. Um, although those, you know, the last two years were stacked, but yeah, absolutely. This losing what she lost and having to rely on scheme and, 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 you know, a lot of the credit obviously goes to the players, but he has – what you're getting is the the whole is better than the sum of the parts with with this defense.
1: And it, it's never been more true, I don't think, than this year. But still, are you surprised how well they performed given how much attrition there was? Yes.
0: but I mean, you, you needed, like – you had to have an all-world player. That's Simmons. Like, if he, go, if he were to go out, things are a lot different. Um, but you have that. You have good, disciplined linebackers um good discipline safeties and enough
1: I think enough along the front four to to make you competitive well listen we got a handful of really talented uh defensive ends and Xavier Thomas hadn't even been playing the last couple of days um recovering from uh, uh the concussion protocol though he was dressed in this in the Wofford game but obviously they didn't need him so they didn't put him in um give him a little bit more rest heading into the North Carolina State game because we are going to need him here towards the uh towards the end of the year but um you know, the guys have just matured and gotten better across the front as the year has gone along. I've been really impressed by the linebackers. I think it's an upgrade from last year. Uh, they struggled a little bit with their tackling, some missed tackles early on in the season, but you consistently see them to continue to get better and better. And now we're starting to build the depth in guys like Bale Specter. Good to see Jake Venables back out in the, in the, in the um, Wofford game. He was kind of running around like a madman hitting people. So you're starting to see that depth all come together.
0: Yeah, and I think I think we have two very good corners that, and you know, we, we assume that, that is like a you know, foregone conclusion to begin the year that, you know, we have an all-American corner and, you know, God knows what Kendrick could be. I'll say, you know, I, I don't know where A.J. Terrell will be drafted. I don't know that he's been an all-American good. I think he's capable of being that good in any given game, but he's had a great season. And Kendrick, he still needs some more seasoning, it's clear. But he's going to go be, play in the NFL at cornerback as well. And they're, they're both probably going to make a lot of money and have long
1: careers if they stick to it. You know, yeah. And listen, Kendrick was a wide receiver at this point last year. He had to learn everything, um, at least within the Clemson system, uh, starting a spring pa- practice and through fall camp, um, and then was just thrown into it as, uh, you know, went on the depth chart at that position. But you're right. You know, we haven't talked about, you haven't heard these guys' names called a lot this year, and that's a credit to how well they played. Now, that being said, we have not faced really any that I would call dynamic passing teams. We thought Kellen Mond um, was going to be able to do some damage maybe, but that turned out not to be the case. And, of course, you had Sam Howell. But, you know, they played well, but they haven't really been tested. So I think specifically with Darian Kendrick, I will be interested to see how he fares against a team like Wake Forest who can throw the ball, a team like uh, South Carolina who can throw the ball and has some good wide receivers, and then, you know, possibly Virginia in the ACC championship game.
0: Yeah, agreed, and it'll be. It, it's just going to be a game of cat and mouse with, with Venables. It'll be exciting to see what he throws out. Um, you know, Mon hasn't been great this year, but Venables had a lot to do with. He wasn't just bad against us. He was. I mean, he looked like a different player. He might have might as well have been throwing with his left arm. Like that's how bad he was. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting. One good thing is, regardless of the opponent we play in the semifinals, Venables will have another four weeks
1: to prep to prepare for that. And that's, that's reassuring. And it's, and it's scary for the team who we would be playing in the semifinals. Um, so on the offensive side of the ball, where would you place this team uh, based on our expectations at the beginning of the season? Do you think they're about, right now where we thought they'd be I know we had the hiccup in North Carolina it was a little bit slow coming on but they've really come on hot late and have just been picking teams apart after you know, there's that stat that after Trevor Lawrence's uh, two picks in the first quarter against Louisville he has just been lighting things on fire and has incredible numbers um, so I mean to me he's playing and the offense is playing like I thought they would have been all year long yeah it was a little bit slow to get going but they're looking good man yeah, if you would have asked me, say around
0: the UNC game about the offense, I'd have graded them. It would have had to be a D, D plus, maybe a C minus, but it was just wasn't good. And it was, I mean, I don't care the the type of game that game plan that Tony Elliott's going for or the substitution that Dabble wants to implement. It just wasn't good. Um, but where they've been the last few games, it's I'd say they're they're about eighty percent of their potential, um, and. I I think you could still learn a lot from people act like you can't learn from beating even blowing out a team. It's like, Hey, we learned a lot from UNC. We can learn a lot from wake and NC state as well. And um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, they're, they're starting to get into the groove.
1: Yeah. And I think we took it with a little bit of a grain of salt last year when Trevor Lawrence was getting hot and Clemson started to blow out teams just because, you know, just like this year, the schedule um, was not very formidable, but I think after seeing us go through that last year, we wouldn't have expected going to the Alabama game that we would have put up 44 points in in the manner that we did um, just based on um, us not really knowing because we didn't face great competition. But I think we feel better about that this year. And, again, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same results. Uh, I feel like the offense is in a really good spot right now and opposing defenses are going to have their hands full. I think so. And, I mean, I think –
0: you have the fire, the motivation, this NC state game will serve as a little bit of a, you know, it's a heat check kind of like, where are you? Where, where are you right now? Like if you're fired up and you're going in and you're playing at seven thirty and it's an ABC game and you, you want to show the world something like you're, you're going to get a version of Clemson, at least in the first half, say that, that is who they are or as they're aspiring toward their potential, they're not there yet, but you're going to get a, you're going to get more out of this game than, than what you saw in Chapel Hill. That's for damn sure.
1: Yeah. And so I still don't think there's a scenario where let's say Penn State beats an undefeated Minnesota team this weekend that even if Clemson goes out and blows out NC State 70 nothing, uh, you still can't jump Clemson, I think, by logic, above Penn State. Penn State would have beaten an undefeated football team. Um, but... I think you're going to start to see people take notice over these last few games as if Clemson continues to perform the way that they have on offense and they'll start to get the benefit of the doubt again from the, at least like the AP voters. And I think certainly the college football playoff committee, Um, whereas they weren't necessarily getting that after the North Carolina game, even though they have been blowing people out. Yeah. And I mean, you have to ask yourself too, do you care if you get the, I
0: mean, you want the benefit of the doubt, uh, to the extent that you make the playoff, if the, if that were in jeopardy, I don't. That's not going to be the case. Uh, otherwise, at, I really. I, you know, it's not one of those. I don't. I'm not afraid of any team in the in the field. It's just a thing that they're they're all so even. I don't think it matters. Um, ideally, you'd like to play in Atlanta, but people will take notice. But if even if other teams perform well, Clemson stays put at four. Like, oh well, who cares?
1: Well, even if Clemson, you know. You know, to play in Atlanta, they would have to be either one or uh, four in the final poll, obviously. You'd like to be number one, but, you know, maybe playing in Phoenix is not such a bad thing. You know, not as much of, uh, I don't think there'd be as much pressure on that game. Atlanta, obviously, so close to Clemson, it'd be a fired up crowd. It would be a sold out crowd, I'm sure. The same would would not be for Phoenix. Um, So I don't think it's the end of the world if we end up two or three and end up in that game. Um, it's fine, whatever, go out there and play these guys. Most of these guys have been in that spot before. So not really worried about that. So ultimately, I I don't think it really matters in in terms of our ranking. Again, things are going to play themselves out. Um, Every team in the top six right now, even including Georgia, because they could go and win the SEC championship and end up in the playoff. But, um, you know, it's in the hands of each individual team, and I feel really confident about Clemson right now. I do too. I mean, I have that. I, the offense is starting to look
0: enough like last year's offense. Again, a lot of the same players, um, the same quarterback who's a year older, um, the same running back that looks a little bit better. So, like, we know what that offense looks like. We know what they need to get to um, to look to be championship worthy. It's just a matter now is, like, can the defense sustain it? And, uh, you know, I never I, – I really thought that, that – I thought this team would take a drop off. I didn't suspect it would be because of the offense. Um, but knowing what the defense is now, like I'm kind of recalibrated what this team's potential is. That may, if that makes sense. Like th- there is some truth to this being a, a, a really good, maybe I don't say best ever. I hate being that hyperbolic. but <laughs> it's would do that again. <laughs> yeah, because uh, 18 was the best ever. But it has a chance to have a seat at the
1: table with the 18 teams Say. 18 was the best ever. Um, Let's see what 19 holds for us, though. Um, I will say I still think, to me, the defense has a little bit more left to prove. I want to see them play against some tougher competition. And the offense, I really have no worries about. Um, I just think they're clicking on all cylinders at this point, and it's only going to get better. That's such a good
0: good sign that your fear right now is the defense, the most efficient, you know, t- it's a top-five defense. Venables has just suffocated every opponent that's come our way,
1: but that's your concern is the defense. And again, and I chalk that up to the competition we've been playing. Um, so one last thing here, uh, Quacking Tiger, in his article, in his recap of the Wofford game, He started making an argument how maybe Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne aren't necessarily out of the Heisman race. They could be working themselves back in. Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously taking a step back with Oklahoma's loss. Um, Jalen Hurts has been injured. Justin Fields obviously a good contender. But what are your thoughts there as Lawrence and Etienne continue to play better and better?
0: Well, I I think it's got to be Etienne. I mean, just just from a stats uh, all like all season long, he's been good, or he's been great, excuse me, it's possible. But I think he needs to go he needs to go into uh, Raleigh, and I think it's got to be something like a four-touchdown game, five-touchdown
1: game, just something really gaudy to get everyone's attention. What do you think? Well, NC State has the target on their back now um, after the rankings came out. But, I mean, I would love for that to happen. I would love to see us go ETN and then Lawrence next year. And, I mean, ETN, I think, would certainly uh, deserve it. He's, what, top four in the country right now um, in, in total yards. Um, you do have J.K. Dobbins there right there at Ohio State right above him, so there is some competition there. But I think as far as yards per carry is concerned, he's averaging nine yards a carry this year. Is that for real? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's nuts. That's stupid. And, well, here's the thing. All right, you want to do some you know, bringing it
0: together. So Burroughs is probably the front runner right now for LSU. He's going into Tuscaloosa, and I mean, I, and that'll I think, make or break it for him. Let's say he has a, a you know a really bad game; he has a has a stinker. Um, that could be the opening for ETN if he if he does have the scenario that we just talked about.
1: Yeah, and for once, the sports writers haven't anointed a Heisman winner um, before November. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. I've heard Chase Young being
0: cited as a potential defensive choice. How about Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, I mean, well, who would you? Ta- it's it's right. not going to happen. Let me let me phrase the question
1: to you. An, an, an MVP from this season, who is it? Oh, on which side of the ball, all, all together? No, no, all, all yeah, team. All team MVP. Yeah, oh, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, same. EtN's close. Maybe by the end of the year,
0: he could. No, I mean, come on. You have like two all timers on both sides of the ball. I, I don't want to pick between them, but I,
1: I, I'd agree. Right now, it's Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. I'm still kind of marveling at the ETN's nine yards a carry average. Uh, to put in perspective, JK Dobbins it is at seven point two, which is still a great number. Um, but nine yards a carry—that is—that is phenomenal for a D1 running back. I know the competition hasn't been great, but there's still Division One college football players, and we just—you know—Spiller was his own thing, um, a different guy than ETN, and he was dynamic and exciting to watch for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but Travis Etienne, man, uh, he, it's you, you talk about how you, you talk about enjoy Isaiah Simmons while we still have him. Well, enjoy tri- Travis Etienne while we still have him because he ain't coming back next year.
0: No, he could be. He could be doing really well in the NFL this year. Um, yeah. So it's I'm
1: glad that he's at Clemson and it's been it's been a great three years with him. Yeah, something would have gone horribly wrong for uh, him to come back next year. <laughs> it's either a loss in the national championship game and he decides to stay, or it's an injury or something. Really, really bad advice. Yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the last kind of cool thing that I'll say, uh, this is more of a culture thing uh, more than anything else. I've seen this now twice this year, uh, K.J. Henry, um, really kind of knowing the culture of Clemson and the history of the football team. I've seen him do a couple things. Earlier in the year, he had a sack. I can't remember which game it was, um, but he did an, he did a, the Clemson man needs no introduction bow, you know, that pose, the the graphic of the Tiger. He did that. I thought that was pretty cool to see. But then in this game, um, on Military Appreciation Weekend, um, he had a sack and did a salute to the armed forces, uh, a la Dwayne Allen, who got a personal foul called against him for doing so after scoring a touchdown uh, several years back. Um, so it's kind of really cool to, to, to see. I think he knows his history of Clemson football. It's, it's cool to see kids like that. You know, a lot of kids, um, you know, we've been around. Uh, now, as we, we're getting older, we've seen a lot of Clemson football, and we have a lot of memories. A lot of these kids don't, you know, remember older teams and stuff like that. And and you know, it's not necessarily their fault. They could have grown up uh, really loving some other team, but it's now they're having to make um, choices for their future. They end up deciding to go go into Clemson because that gives them the best opportunity for continuing on in their careers. Um, so I would just like to point that out and give them a shout out there. I think it's really cool to see. Yeah, he's he's a good guy, and he's coming to his coming into his own on the football field too. So that helps. Okay, so we'll wrap it here. No need to go into the um, the week eleven games. We've already talked about those. You know, the big matchup: LSU, Alabama, and Marquee, and then Penn State and Minnesota. Um, Ohio State's not going to face a tough test. They got Maryland. Georgia has Missouri, which could be tough. We'll see what Kelly Bryant can do. Um, and then Appalachian State at South Carolina. Well, let's we'll see how that turns out. Maybe we'll get Dick back on the show after that. <laughs> Please, we, we got to get Mr. Engleberry. More Engleberry and more more, more Ethel Engleberry. <laughs> it's <laughs> Ethel, you jackass! Um, so thanks, folks, for sticking with us. Um, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Please, if you have time, go over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. You can reach out to us at Clemson.com podcasts on facebook and twitter or email us uh, clemsonpodcasts at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you prefer so that our shows are automatically pushed to your phone as soon as they're available um we will be back at you after the north carolina state game which again could be a massacre so that'll be a fun one to talk about and then also clemson basketball started today unfortunately with a loss at home to virginia tech Um, really odd to start with a conference opponent but the ACC has expanded their conference schedule and has pushed uh, some of those games for all the teams, uh, the conference games up to the beginning of the season. Um, a young team this year; they're coming off of the World uh, Collegiate Basketball Championships that they won over the summer in Italy, um, which really allowed some of these new guys and transfers to bond. I've got high hopes for this team this year. I know people are already calling for Brad Brownell's head um, after the loss today, but uh, you know that's how it goes when it's uh, Clemson basketball. But uh, We'll have Sam uh, back on here. He'll be doing basketball with me. Uh, We will be football-focused heavily here, at least until the ACC championship game, and then we'll probably jump in there um, during the downtime between the end of the playoffs to do a little basketball season preview. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you once again to everybody for listening, and until next time, and as always, go Tigers. Hmm. Is it a Red Bull? Yeah, can you see me? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a Red Bull. (laughs) It's 8 15, dude. Like you move out to the suburbs, you make me record at like 8 at night. I don't get to eat dinner till like 10. You could eat beforehand, you know. Who eats like dude, I'm single. I don't eat before eight PM. That's weird. I don't live in the suburbs weird. This is like my dinner time, like 8 30 to 9. Yeah.
0: No, wait, wait, wait. Bam. Here I am.
1: <laughs> There's uh you sure your internet connection is going to be able to
0: uh No, I can't
1: s- support the video. I can't promise anything, so.
0: Okay. Is is Dick ingleberry going to be joining us? Hey, folks, welcome back to the Carolina Cockcast. need <laughs> a red bull and like <laughs> Eight beers and I can break out Dale. Hi, Ben. It's good to be back. That's dude. That's like Gomer Pyle. I don't know. Like I've been trying to channel Dale, and it comes off as Gomer. You know who Gomer Pyle is, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, you just gotta listen and practice. Okay, you just gotta listen and practice. You'll you'll get there.
0: Hi, Ben.
1: See, that's not it. That's I don't know who that is. Maybe I, maybe I could be two
0: different people.
1: Say something about tally. um the deeper the better. The deeper the better.
0: See, I can do it better than you. The deeper, the better. Yeah, yeah, okay. I could find it. It's like I really, I, I tap
1: into something. You know, it's it's otherworldly. Uh, you just gotta. You just gotta. I think deeper is the key word. I think deeper. that's that's the, the trigger. Band, that's the trigger. It's to be back on the
0: on the clip, on the cast and uh, yeah, there there it is. It's been a long year with with Will Muschamp, so now I'm doing Harry Carey. You notice that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, just just be Dale, bro.
0: All right, I'll I'll have to think about it. I'll have to. But I got this like you know church deacon thing going. I don't know where it came from. It's kind of like a gomer pal. Hi, Ben. Yes, good to be here. You know, like
1: kind of like Lindsey Graham.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's
1: actually it's pretty close. Um. Okay, let's start the show.